Thank you, Gary and worship team for a, a great uh, compilation there and putting together this song. Uh, and our hearts are lifted up as we proclaim the name of Christ and appreciate the genuine and sincere worship that you guys offer. You know, sometimes God offers um, a eternal truth to us as kind of a way of interruption in our lives. And before I explain this, I want us to go back to creation and acknowledge that when God made the earth, he said it was good. God cares about the earth so much that he's going to rearrange it during the second advent to resemble his original intent and to outfit it for eternity. It's a wonderful truth to consider that God considers the physical universe as important and part of his redemption. Now, mankind, on the other hand, has been very busy since the garden to cover up the pain and the loss of sin with all kinds of temporary pursuits. And the earth has suffered along with man. Generally, humankind does not know how to acknowledge God and rest. So his body his spirit, and his soul suffers. Like a body screaming that it needs rest, the earth is screaming that something is wrong. Cancer rates skyrocket. Uh, consuming unhealthy foods leaves us in poor health. Earthquakes become commonplace in certain regions. Resources diminish. Just as our bodies speak to us and alert us, the earth speaks to us. There was an article that came across the newswire during this season of COVID-19 that frankly, I haven't heard a lot of commentators pick up. The article pointed out that once crowded city streets are now largely empty, highway traffic has slowed to a minimum and fewer and fewer people can be found milling about outside. Global containment measures to combat the spread of the coronavirus have seemingly made the world much quieter. Here's the things that I, that I noticed was quite unique. Scientists are noticing this. Around the world, size, seismologists are observing a lot less ambient seismic noise. And what that means is there are less vibrations generated by cars, trains, buses, and people going about their daily lives. And in the absence of that noise, Earth's upper crust is moving less. It's like in this slowdown, the earth is gasping to catch its breath. Apparently, even the earth is enjoying a rest. Maybe COVID-19 is a Sabbath for the earth. And Lord knows we as humans need a Sabbath. I've talked on this before in a prior series, and I'm not gonna rehash all of this for you. Um, uh, the need for us humans to take a regular rest. However, from a spiritual standpoint, there is a rest that we are to enjoy that is uniquely a Christian experience. It's a message that's um, expounded in the book of uh, Hebrews, excuse me, that was written to a group of Christians who failed to realize their rest. It's an interesting concept but one in dire need of serious thought and application to us today. 
The life of many Christians today is one that's not typified by rest. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, there's great strain for many Christians to keep up their performance. Sometimes it's to please some spiritual authority or community. Uh, and then the, the thought of saying no to our children or friends is, is not considered because we want to keep some faux peace than have a certain conflict, even though we know that things are not right. There's a great strain to not let others down. Uh, we'd prefer to have music on or TV on instead of being alone with our thoughts. Our minds are constantly racing and usually hurrying about with how we've been hurt, how you know we've been shorted, blindsided, offended, not loved enough. The result is truly resting, being at home in our minds and heart, and being at peace with God, that's all an illusion. How can I be at rest if people are upset with me? Hmm. How can I be at rest if I'm not feeling loved by my spouse or parents or friends? How can I be at rest if my job is up in the air? I mean, we proclaim this is my life, man, and, and you just don't get it, that, that my struggles are unique. One of the things about the interruption of a pandemic is that it confronts us with a whole host of things we once thought were important are now thrown out the window. Susan David, a Harvard psychologist said, when everything is business as usual, what happens is we become hooked into an autopilot mode of living. She goes on and says, we have all of our habits and our routines. Often, we're very impi uh, impacted by social contagion. So, you know, someone gets a promotion, we want to get a promotion. Someone else wants to drive a particular car, that whole experience is living up with the Joneses. And with all the things that we've got to do, we just don't have the opportunity to actually be with ourselves, to be with our difficult emotions, and to use those emotions to alert us that we need to change. David says that people who live introspectively through crisis recognize aspects of their lives that, that they once thought were significant, that now they realize um, they're not so significant. <laughs> things like, you know, buying things or uh, actually look petty. Things change. Now, if a pandemic can remind us to rest better and improve our lives, then so be it. And I would certainly welcome such change. But I think you and I both know that often the results of such a catastrophe are short-lived. And remember the unity we felt after 9-11? Did that last even a month? I doubt a pandemic would be a welcome reminder every few months. I know it wouldn't be for me. <laughs> there is actually a unique rest that God provides for the soul, for the spirit, and for the body that is rooted in the person of Christ. It's not temporary. It is something that we can enjoy. It's, uh, it's available to us at all times. There's a passage in Hebrews 3 
that points to this uniqueness, especially in comparison to the Old Testament system of sacrifices and Sabbath. It says this in Hebrews 3, 1 through 3. Therefore, uh, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, has much more glory as the builder of a house, has more honor than the house itself. And then the rest of the chapter compounds on this concept. And then we read in Hebrews 4.1, Therefore, because all this truth in chapter 3, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The idea is, although there's this unmatchable significance in the person and work of Christ, especially as it relates to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, some have failed to realize it. Some have failed to live under it. Now, I would remind you, this is a book that was written to Christians. And the writer saying, you are failing to realize the significance and uniqueness of Christ and having that impact your life. Instead, they live uh, lives that are marked by defeat and discouragement. And in the case of the Hebrews, it was the fact that they had uh, religious heritage and performance that garnered their trust. Instead of putting their confidence in the identity of the risen Christ, they put it in their religious functioning. And in their case, that meant Judaism. We have many who think that they have an inside track on God because of their particular allegiance or experience. You can tell by what they presume to be their certitude in their spiritual walk. You know, it's kind of the essential oils of Christianity. This is what separates us. This is what makes us better. This is what makes us healthier. You know, if you don't have it, you're missing out. Anything you put in there, but Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, is going to fail you. The resurrection is not a dead religious myth. It is the lifeblood of the Christian. Listen to Romans says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. Again in Romans, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to one another to him who've been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. That was Romans 7, 4. And then in Galatians, it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Look at this application that's taking place. You have to put on Christ, live in light of these truths, count it as true for you as well. And then in 1 Timothy 2, 11, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. So because the resurrection is true, because we have identified with Christ, 
We are to walk in newness of life, bear fruit for God, have Christ live his life through us in dependent faith. Now, while that's a simple truth, it's not quite as simple to live daily under its canopy. When I am afraid, I reckon it's true that I am risen with Christ and I know that he's given me courage. When I am cut to the quick by continuing in sin, I realize I am imbued with power of the risen Christ and able to deal with any temptation. When I fear death, I know that the resurrection of Christ, death is defeated. And I can say, oh, death, where's your sting? We have a choice in how we deal with our losses and pain. From a member of CCC comes this powerful application that was written to me several years ago. 12 years ago, today, I said goodbye to my stillborn daughter. It was a very bitter day, and after many tears, guilt, anger, resentment, and denial, I finally came to accept it and praise God for her brief but ultimately powerful existence. Today is all the more meaningful. This was on Easter. Today is all the more meaningful. Not just as the first time I have a healthy perspective and acceptance of it, but also in that I celebrate another's death, or more accurately, resurrection. The tomb is empty, and he comforts my child just as he continues to comfort me. There's a rest that comes even in death, a rest I can experience. A sense that this is not a a final disconnection, but more of a reminder to wait for something better. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40 says, and all these, though commended through their faith, and remember they had that whole hall of fame of faith, listing people that that honored God in faith, even though they didn't see the promises realized in this lifetime. And all those, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God has provided something better for us. We could say it this way. The resurrection is the knockout punch to sin and hopelessness. We are in a fight and we realize the punch given in our stead by Christ. And yet many live like we are defenseless. It reminds me of the Jason Momoa commercial for Rocket Mortgage during the Super Bowl. Jason is a buff, long-haired guy who plays Aquaman. And in this commercial, he relaxes at home and he says that he's comfortable in his own skin and he takes off his muscles with an arm wrap and then his wig to show his bald head. (laughs) It gets a good laugh. But it's not real because he's actually a very strong man. He's a buff stud of a man, right? He is acting, but he shows skinny arms, a bald head, and he can't bench press a bare barbell, but it's all an act. The Christian, in reality, has the strength of the resurrected Christ in him or her. 
His identity is truly in Christ. His identity is not a past failure. Uh, His or her identity is not a son or daughter who's been abused or cut down. They're not attached to those things as if that is their identity. It doesn't matter what failure you have, what others have said about you as a Christian. Your identity is still rooted in you being in Christ and Christ being in you. As a follower of Christ, to think of yourself as primarily outside the identity of Christ, it's acting, it's deceit, it's not real. You know, it's not in your strength anyway to live the Christian life. It is the living Christ living his life through you. And the resurrection of Christ is the cornerstone that stands in the midst of all the doubt and the criticism. None of us likes to admit we are involved in our own cover-up or that we have an agenda, especially when it comes to dealing with the existence of God and the resurrection of Christ, and we're skeptic about it. You know, natural disasters, evil dictators, a premature death of a loved one, it seems to give skeptics a perfect excuse to dismiss God. But let me challenge you with something. There still stands this naked fact of the resurrection of Christ. We can buy off others maybe with our arguments. We can even convince ourselves of our reasons, but we cannot get away from the historical reality that Jesus Christ was buried for three days and he came back to life. Such a truth is far too unsettling for many. And like the religious leaders in Jesus' day, many will not even allow themselves to do a fair inquiry because the implications are far too unsettling. Some refuse to consider the evidence, some doubt, some are hesitant, and then some believe. And wherever you fall, I want you to realize this. If the resurrection is true, it changes everything. What are you going to do with a resurrected Christ? Perhaps you come today with great need for meaning, great need for love, great need for divine intervention in your life as you're watching this. Perhaps you come today with doubts, but you realize that the resurrection of Christ is truly the most significant event in human history. Consider, finally, the testimony of those who believe Christ. Um, You know, they have looked to him to meet their innermost needs. They've come to him with all their concerns and doubts and found him to be patiently inviting them to a growing relationship. And for live witnesses of this, I can give you hundreds of those who are a part of Christ Community Church that can testify to this fact. If Christ has indeed risen, how can we live in denial of that event, given the live witnesses of the changes that he's made, given the historical reality of the resurrection? I invite you today to not only believe the testimony of those 
who saw him as a resurrected Christ, and that was in the several hundreds. And I invite you not only to believe the promises of God, but to also to believe that God can really change your life and to forgive you of your sin, to believe that God loves you and to believe you can truly rest from religious performance and enjoy the intimacy of an almighty God. So I want you to bow with me right now. And if you've never trusted Christ, I want you to pray with me right now. Say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I want you to come into my life. I recognize that Christ died, was buried and rose again so that I could be forgiven. And I invite you to do that for me right now. And I want you to change me. If you did that, I want you to let us know. You can email us, call us, get on our website, let us know and we'll send you some information. And now I wanna lead you as a believer in Jesus Christ in an awesome event. We call it communion. We do this on a regular basis at Christ Community Church. And it's where we take something like this, a wafer, a piece of bread, a cracker, and it represents the body of Jesus Christ. And God wants us to do this on a regular basis. And this is out of 1 Corinthians, that Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 11. For I've received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So by taking this bread, we are acknowledging the significance of the death of Christ and the punishment that he took on our behalf. Let's take it. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so just like the bread was representative of death, the juice is representative of the blood of Christ that was spilled on our behalf, a permanent sacrifice that all of our sin could be forgiven in the past, present, and future. It's the best kind of rest that is offered to any human being. We know our sins are forgiven. We know we're heaven bound because of the work of Christ. Let's thank him for it. Father, we thank you for this juice. We thank you for this bread and what we realize it represents in Christ. We thank you for the rest that we can enjoy from religious performance, from trying to gain something that's impossible to gain, but simply to receive from you the grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And so we say, thank you. And thank you that we can celebrate on this resurrection day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you. Thank you for joining us today.